next one. Everybody say, aww. I know you're just dying to do it. <laughs> okay, how many of you were here last week? Okay, good night. All right. So you remember, you know, I was kind of making, poking a little fun at, you know, Pastor Mark over there. Because I was saying, you know, you'd never get me in one of those parade floats. And then, of course, the very next second, he's going by with his wife and son waving. And then, and of course, what stood out was the coat. Well, I, I, I've been thinking about that coat this week. And, and you know, Mark actually got me a coat. Um, and, uh, well, oh, <laughs> you guys are really in the mood for that this morning, aren't you? And it's, it's on loan because, you know, it would probably not be according to ABC rules for me to you know, pass off as a reporter. But, you know, I, I've been thinking about this coat. You know, this coat, if you really think about it, there's a lot of power in this coat, isn't there? Go to the DMV. You're going to deny me my license? Yeah? Yeah? Are you really sure you want to do that? I got cameras right outside. Are you really sure you want to do that? Yeah? O- officer? Officer? This worked in Los Angeles. So, oh, <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you really want to, you know, I mean, this is better than a bodyguard, isn't it, you know? Do you, do you see, it makes you think twice, looking around, you know. Has anybody ever show what, seen that show, What Would You Do? Isn't that horrible? It's like candid camera at a new level. They create a scenario, they make it real, but it's all actors. But it's to mess with the people around them, you know. And so uh, they got bodyguards in it. Anyway, I think this is beautiful, by the way, uh, if I have to figure out a way to steal that patch and, and put that to good use. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> uh, how y'all doing this morning? Doing good? Right on. Yeah, I was in Seattle this week, Bill. I was. Yeah, it's freezing. I, I think I am California now. Because I, I went up there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I, was, I mean, I, I, my wife said, so how you doing? I said, I'm cold. Cold all the time. I'm cold under the covers. I'm cold walking around. And the one thing I noticed that's very different is, I never realized this before, but even when it stops raining for a day, the water does not dry off the road or the grass. So it's literally wet for like six months. You know, you can't cut your lawn. You can't even walk in your lawn. So uh, anyway, it's great to be back, and, uh, and uh, I went there for a wedding for a, a young couple that I've known for years, and uh, uh, it was really neat because uh, I said, they said, you may kiss the bride, you know, and, and, and you know, the groom is you know, so smiling, and he's so happy to have this moment, you know, and so he kisses the bride, and then he just, he just kind of looks at me, and he's smiling again, and I look, and I said, you want to do that again, don't you? <laughs> He goes, very much so. <laughs> so for the first time ever, I said, you may kiss the bride again. <laughs> they loved it. <laughs> All right. Well, if you uh, brought a Bible with you this morning, uh, go to Luke chapter 2. Uh, if you didn't, uh, some uh, ushers will be coming through if you would like to have a Bible. If not, Lily is going to be kind enough to throw a few of these up on the screen. Uh, last week... I had shared about uh, my first real experience with God's peace. I told a little bit about uh, my conversion story. I was not uh, always a Christian. Uh, not, in fact, if 
for many years I was uh, furthest from. wasn't wasn't really into it at all. And uh, and of course, you know, part of the story last week was not so much that I had converted from something. Uh, it wasn't like I was a Buddhist or Muslim and I, I became Christian. It was it was just kind of more converted from nothing. I, I really didn't know what I believed, didn't want to believe, didn't care what I believed, and then had an experience with God, and then all of a sudden arose a hunger uh, to believe uh, in God and in the gospel. And so this morning I want to give you a little bit of the aftermath. When I converted to Christianity, you know, when you get this great big new thing in your life, of course, like everybody else, I, w- I was just on this high, you know, uh, call me, you know, one of those born-again freaks or holy roller or whatever. I mean, I was just excited, you know. Uh, church was always been boring. God had always been distant. The rules, the regulations. And, of course, when I get the truth that, that you know, it's not, you know, Christian, Christianity was not about what I do but about what Jesus has already done. I mean, I'm just, you know, bursting for joy and, 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 and having, you know, a, a real experience of God's faith. But to be honest, before I had made that choice to convert, I had often mocked who I saw as those happy Christians, you know? Uh, You find them everywhere. They're just kind of those happy Christians, you know? And they just made me sick. I mean, you know, walking into school, and there they'd be on the theater steps, and I, you know, I slip my backpack and my you know, 7.30 a.m. hangover, and I'm walking through, and there they are, you know, uh, having prayer time and holding hands, and, you know, and, and, and then, of course, they did come off the steps, and they looked so happy, you know, the happy Christians. And, and you know, it, it's as if it was a scene out of The Sound of Music, you know, the hills are alive, and, and they're just all happy and singing, and, and they go off in a class, and I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness, makes me gag. Well... Well, you know, the, the, I can't ever really say I hit rock bottom, but as I began to meet and get to know and identify uh, with, with some of these Christians, one of the things that I really appreciated about uh, those happy Christians who reached out to me was they, they didn't, like, go after my lifestyle. They really went after me, you know? I think if someone would have come up to me and said, do you know what you're do it. Do you know? I can't believe you said that. I can't. I'd have just been like, bug off, you know? Uh, it would have really turned me off, but I met a few who would constantly be like, you know, Tom, where are you at? Where do you think about all this? You know, when you look at the earth, what do you think about it? Are we just smart monkeys or you think there's something more, you know? <laughs> I think there's something more. So do you think there's something more? And when you believe in nothing, you don't really have much to say. You know, so I, I said, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I, I cared, but, but when I really looked, I did notice something, and I remember this as I was preparing this message. I remember I'd walk by, and, and, and I would look, and it was something unique to our school. It was a group that would meet in the morning. They'd pray. They, they, somebody would, I think, bring their Bible. I can't remember, but there was all kinds of people in their group. You had some athletes. You had some musicians. You had some, uh, uh, you know, bookworms. You had some emos. By the way, how many of you know what an emo is? It's kind of a generational thing, isn't it? But uh, emos are like, uh, they they developed in the early 90s. No, I don't know. They've probably always been around. 
But, uh, you know, they're kind of the, those people who dress according to their mood and they're really big into their feelings and they're kind of often sad and, you know. And so, you know, the, the, the emo, short for emotional. Anyway, uh, so they had the emo group and, and, and I'd look and I'd see a broad spectrum of humanity joined this group. And that was the one thing that really interested me because when I looked at my kind of core group, I was hanging around, we were all really alike, kind of all really narrow and, and kind of all really, you know, none of us, uh, you know, were really on any path to go anywhere. We were just kind of there. And so I think, you know, when I, when I think back looking at it, not only was the group I was hanging around with not really have any answers, we didn't really care about the question. You know what I'm saying? Questions of faith, questions of spirituality. It was just something that was kind of out there. We didn't really care about. I think the first thing that I could say was perhaps supernatural or spiritual was when in my heart I began to become interested not in the answer, but in the question. Is, is God out there? Is there a God? Is, is there something more? I mean, what... You know, when I look at myself, you know, was I created or, or did I just, you know, cell upon cell, amoeba upon amoeba evolve into this? And, and so, you know, it was kind of that, that, that question of, you know, uh, and of course, the more I questioned, the more the hunger kind of rose to find out the answer. Fast forward. So the afternoon that I'm there with that missionary pastor, because uh, I grew up overseas, and I'm just grilling them and pounding them, and I, I'm trying to ask all these questions. Questions, some questions he said, I don't know. He didn't have every answer, but, but he was just, he was there with me. He was, he was going the full nine yards. And, and finally, I, I, you know, I, I had that, that moment where I just, I did not want a quick emotional fix. If there's one thing I could tell about my life in that moment, even smoking all the weed or drinking all the alcohol, it was that quick emotional fix. That thing to get you through the day, that thing to get you through the night, that thing to get you through the next week, the thing to look forward to on Friday night, the thing that, you know. And, and I remember, I mean, just grilling that. I do not want to be some Jesus boy on some Jesus high, and three months from now, this has just all been a bunch of nothing. And so I told him, I really want this to be real, that if I was going to do this, it had to be real. I wanted something to happen. The interesting thing is it already was. As we were talking, I didn't know this. He had a secretary praying in the other room. Watch out for praying secretaries. <laughs> and we're talking. And she can hear us. Sometimes I get a little angry, you know. And, and the more I sat there, more, you know, I, everything in me was just saying, get out now before you become exactly what you mock. And I remember hearing that. And then the further I stayed... There another hunger rose, like, you know, you really want this. You really want this. Deep down inside, you are hungry for something more. And just, it was, it was like, a, 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 like vomiting. Well, that's a bad example, isn't it? <laughs> Be careful when you try to think on your feet. It, it, it just, it, it, like a volcano. <laughs> it's almost the same. <laughs> just, just... It just began to erupt <laughs> out of my mouth. And, and, and all of a sudden, we, we're, we're praying, we're praying, and, and he said, do you want to ask the Holy Spirit? Do you want to invite him into your heart? 
And I, and I, I said, yes. It was that point of belief. Yes. I'm going to take that step. And, and you know, it's funny because I engaged him. I said, you know, sometimes I feel like some Christians are weird. And, and he's just like, well, you know what? You can become one. You don't have to be weird. I thought, that makes a lot of sense. Why didn't I think of that, you know? He's like, you can be whatever you want. Just be a Christian. And, you know, I mean, I, he wasn't pushing me into it. He, he made it clear at any moment I could leave. I was the one who was taking this time, and I, I kept staying. And, and finally, he's like, you know, do you want to invite the Holy Spirit in your heart or not? You know, and, and I did. And what happened was just that, that, that sense of joy. It, it wasn't the joy that comes, like, outside to me. It, it's, it's what's in, and it comes out. And I had, the, the, the only word I can think, I, happy, wouldn't cut it, you know. It wasn't, oh, happy day, you know. Uh, that was not it. it. It was just that sense where I, I walked out to church and I'm walking home. And, of course, where I lived was sunny and warm. And I just lifting up, you know, your face, letting the sun hit it, just closing my eyes and just feeling joy, you know. Feeling joy that, I don't know, I, I, I can't, to this day, I don't know where it came from. How it came from, I can't explain it. It's not seen. But I wouldn't have believed it if, it if it hadn't happened to me. I really did experience it. It was real. And it was the only word I can put on it was joy. The same kind of joy that the angels talk about in Luke chapter 2. Did you like that segue, by the way? It was pretty good, I thought. <laughs> All right. Go to Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 8, and uh, boy, I wish I had, you know, the Linus version of this, you know, the Charlie Brown Christmas where he, he says this scripture, uh, you know, because he, he says it so classically. I cannot, I, I tried last service, and they all looked at me like, huh? So I, I won't put you through that. Uh, we'll just go ahead and read it. But, but if you want, you can have Linus's voice in your head as we read this. Beginning in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be a cause for great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David... Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Let me unpack this for you real quick, all right? So we got, we got angel, we got shepherds, right? Uh, now remember, when Luke is writing all this, Luke isn't just telling the story to tell the story. He is highlighting particular things that tell a deeper behind-the-scenes story. Here's the behind-the-scenes. The angel comes to the shepherds because the shepherds are symbolic of three things that would characterize the ministry of Jesus. The first thing is, you could probably all guess it, Jesus is the good shepherd, right? The good shepherd who gives his life up for the sheep. The second thing, that's a little more clear, but not so much. What, what do shepherds work with? Sheep. And what are the little ones? Lambs. 
So Jesus would become the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Connection there. And then the third thing. The third thing is not so obvious. Shepherds at the time of Jesus Christ were kind of outcasts. Uh, they were thought of as drunks and, and thieves and, 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 and kind of... In fact, they weren't even allowed to come to church. They weren't even allowed to go to the great Jewish temple. They were considered unclean and, and they never just... you know they. they the, the priests thought they'd never go through the purification rites. So they were really kind of even not allowed in church. And, and the angel comes to these shepherds heralding a third aspect of Jesus' ministry. That Jesus' ministry would be to the outcasts, those outside, those who are hungry to answer that question. But not, might not know where to find it. That Jesus' ministry was, as we said last week, has gone international now. Beginning with these shepherds. Second thing is, the appearance of the angel. Uh, by the way, the, the angel appears twice before in Luke. This isn't new. When the angel showed up to the shepherds, this is actually the third time in this gospel we see an angel showing up. So <laughs> when God came... I mean, there, there, was, there was a lot of supernatural stuff happening, and a lot of it had to do with angels. An angel showed up to Zechariah, right? In, in Luke 1, he's the father of John the Baptist, and he, and he, and he says, you're going, to, you know, you're going to have a son. All of this parallels the Old Testament, right? Abraham and Sarah, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And so the angel announces that he's going to have a son. Zechariah thinks he's out of his mind, and, 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 you know, but is terrified at the angel's presence. Mary, later on in the same chapter, chapter, has an angel come? And angel says, for behold, you will be with child. And she's going, what? You know, how will, the, how will this happen? How, how can, I've ne- I'm a virgin. And, and you know, and, and, and so this is now the third time. First, we get John the Baptist, who's the forerunner of Christ. Then we get Mary, who's going to give birth to Christ. Now we get these shepherds that is going to define the ministry of Christ. See how Luke kind of makes that progression with this angel. might have been the same one. I, I, actually, I didn't really look back to see if it was the same one, but it might have been. So, the, so the, the problem that Luke is attacking with the angel is this. They were terrified. One of the problems Jesus would come to fix is our fear of the supernatural, that we do not have to be afraid of the God we can't see or the heaven we've never been to. Amen? The third thing is that word joy. It's, it's kara. Kara. Everybody say that. Kara. He just spoke Greek. Kara. Uh, that's joy. That means joy in Greek. And Luke uses that word specifically with that big word salvation. God's deliverance. God's saving us from something. And so Luke's connecting with joy and salvation is not a new concept. If you go to Psalm 51, famous song, famous passage, what does David say? He says, restore unto me what? The joy of what? Of my salvation. Joy and salvation are two connected things. Just like I was telling you earlier, joy and salvation biblically are always two connected things. That's going to be important. Because in a moment, we're going to talk about the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness. Joy and salvation. 
And then in Isaiah chapter 12, verses 2 to 4, he says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. And then he says, The Lord, the Lord himself. That's Isaiah saying, God, no, really God, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation, right? Then look what he says in verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Joy and salvation, key biblical themes that come together when Luke says, Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, Yahweh. And that, so that leads into the fourth and probably most important aspect that the angel, the angel is revealing something here. He's not just saying, hey, you, Sheps, you guys go and need to go see this. This is cool. He is saying something specific to life. What the angel sees is that something is happening on the earth that has not happened since the days of Adam and Eve. In the days of Adam and Eve, God is creating, you know, the earth. And he's create, you know, there's all this creation happening, mountains and oceans and valleys and stars and suns. And, and all this is great. And he's creating this world and it's powerful. And we have Adam and Eve. What the angel is saying now to the shepherds is that is happening again. That the creator is creating himself within creation. Did you catch that? The creator is creating himself within creation. That there is a recreation happening. And it is a cause of great joy for all of the world. Because now there, 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 there is this sense that there is a new possibility for human life. And the you know, shepherds are probably having to think about this for a moment because they had always figured that the Christ would be a human person. What the angel is saying is that Christ would be both human and God. In fact, that saying, Christ the Lord, you will find only in this passage in Luke. Christ the Lord. And so for anybody, who's ever lived life and thought, even if I could live forever. Let's say you didn't die. You live forever. But then you get that second thought. But you know, if I lived forever, would I want a body like this, a heart like mine, a brain like mine? Would I want all of the, the kind of the, the natural instincts about myself that I don't like? Would you want those forever? You know, if there was offered to you a way to upgrade, to trade up. <laughs> I'm serious. We do it with our cars all the time. We do it with our computers all the time. You know, if there was a way to take this created human model of glory, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> <laughs> and say, you know what? I wouldn't mind being a little taller. I wouldn't mind being a little stronger. I really wouldn't mind being a little smarter. I wouldn't mind being able to fly. I wouldn't mind being able to do all. If there was a way to take the brokenness and the things within our human nature and to upgrade it, to trade it into a recreated human being, one that's, that's better than, than what I am, if God was to make that offer, 
And, and of course, the vehicle through which he does that is through the coming of Jesus Christ. Who wouldn't take that offer? Who wouldn't? When I, when I think, you know, this body will grow old, it will one day not even be here. And yet, there's a way of life God promises the body that won't grow old. It can always be here. In fact, that body will be able to do something that I think many of us think about and long to do. You know what that body will be able to do? It will be able to touch God. It will be able to see Him. It'll be able to hear Him like we can't right now. It will be able to follow Him with our eyes. It will be able to withstand the awesome power and glory of God and not die. It's a recreation. And that's what the angels see. They see that a whole new created event is happening with the coming of Jesus Christ. It's a human like there's no other human. The half of them that is the child of Mary is the half of them that dies on the cross. But that part of them that was so unique, so unlike us, a new creation, that part of them was, that was divine, sprung out of that grave because that grave could not keep him. Because he wasn't like us. He was a new creation. And of course, that had the frosting to the cake. He was God himself. To do that work, he didn't send someone in his place to do it. Every now and then, God rolls up his sleeves and he does it himself. You know why? Not because he couldn't ask somebody to do it, but because he wanted to. He wanted you to know that the God who saves you was the God who saved you, not the angel delegated to save you. That make sense? Personalizes it a lot more. Begins in this life, but all when you look at the next, we have new cities, a renewed earth, new bodies, the recreation, the recreative event that begins with the coming of Christ at Christmas is, is something that, that, that carries on an incredible way beyond this life. And the angels see that and they say, that will be something that causes you great joy. It'll be something that causes every human being great joy. That the, the good, the bad, the big or the wide of this life, as hard and as tough as it may be, that there is a seed of recreation within us, pulling us, yearning us, calling us to a way of life that will make this world seem like waiting at the dentist's office. Dull and boring. And I find a lot of things fun here, don't you? I just went to Magic Mountain yesterday. That was fun. I thought to myself, you know, flying on that roller coaster, I'm like, man, I like gravity. <laughs> gravity is cool. <laughs> Gravity's fun. In the world to come, some of the pictures we see, gravity is different on Earth. Because you can fly or float. 
and all that kinds of stuff. But beyond all those little details, deep within is joy. It's joy. And that's how the angel chose to describe it. Is joy merely being happy? Now I want to come back to that. So there's a big difference here. And this is where etymology comes. Etymology is a big word. It's the study of the origin of a word, how a word came into being. And uh, the word happy comes from the English word happenstance. And the English word happenstance is a derivative of a word we know as circumstance, right? So we become happy when the circumstances outside of us, externally, affect us and we respond with happiness to what's happening outside of us. Does that make sense? So, you know, uh, Mark Christian comes up, gives me his coat, I am happy. You know? <laughs> but let me ask you this, does his coat bring me joy? No, it's a coat. It's an inanimate object. It can't bring joy. You see the difference between it? Joy is an inner conviction, right, that goes from the inside out. Happiness is an external response of something from the outside in. So if you live your life based on happiness, you are dependent on your outside circumstances which you cannot control and have no power to dictate to determine the quality of your life. But if you live by joy, no matter what happens on the outside, it's your inner convictions that see you through the day. Does that make sense? Huge difference between happiness and joy. Joy is that inner conviction from the inside out. Happiness, you're totally at the mercy of your life circumstances. It's not to say it isn't good to be happy. Just recognize that that happiness is externally things that are going well for you right now. But prepare for the day when they may not go well. What sees you through that? Joy. That's another thing that the angels saw. So how does all this come together? We're going to have some slides come up. Just in conclusion, I want to wrap up this teaching. Number one, Advent joy rests on the concept of Emmanuel. Rests on the concept of Emmanuel. That God is truly with us, but more importantly, that God is truly in us. That's the seed of recreation that is deposited when you ask for it. Number two, Advent joy begins first at the creation of the world. The, the creation of the world, you could say in a way, was the first Advent. And it's a little known scripture. Not many people would ever find it on their own. But if you go to Job, Job the book of Job, chapter 38, verses 6 and 7, God says to Job, when Job and God are having this little fight, you know, God finally says to Job, uh, Do you know, Job, on what were its footings set, the earth? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone, the cornerstone of the earth, the foundations of our planet? While the morning stars sang together and all of the angels shouted for joy. God is saying to Job, Job, when I was making this planet, the plants and the animals trees and the millions of different species, all the biomolecular stuff and the atoms and 
this physical material universe. Every time I did something, the angels were shouting for joy. The joy of the Lord rose up within them and they sang about it. That's exactly what's happening again. God is creating and the angels announce it to the shepherds with joy. Number three, Advent joy continues with the angels rejoicing over the creator becoming part of the creation. And then number four, Advent joy culminates in the death and resurrection of Christ, which represents the recreation, the restoration, and the promise for us that that seed of joy right now, there actually will come a point where we won't have to worry about those external circumstances so much because we will be in the presence and power of our joyous creator. Amen? I want to finish with a story. On Thursday night, I had dinner with uh, one of the former pastors I served with at the church up north. He's in his middle 70s, and he was telling me a story that I kind of think I heard before, but I forgot. His wife was telling it to me, and he had said it in a, in a chapel service. When he was young, he grew up on the streets of Brooklyn. His father was a street preacher in Brooklyn, New York. His father contracted to, to his TB tuberculosis, right? Yeah, tuberculosis, and died when he was three years old. So he never knew his father, never really met him. He grew up, and he became kind of a ruffian, kind of, kind of, you know. One of those kids in the, in the, back in the day, 40s and 50s, had like the switchblades and this greasy hair, you know, just a real ruffian. And, and he said, you know, he fought with knives. And I mean, it was, it was the rough and tumble streets of New York, uh, whole West Side story kind of thing. And then he went into the army. And while he was in the army, uh, he, he began to soften his hardened life. And when he was honorably discharged, he, he came back to Brooklyn and, uh, and he decided to uh, go ahead and begin to attend a church. And he, was, he wasn't quite sure which one to go to. And since he had just gotten out of the army, he decided to attend the Salvation Army Church. And so he went to the Salvation Army Church and, and got involved. And, and, you know, he's like, I, I can't say, I don't know if there's ever a moment where I, I, I you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, prayed any sort of prayer. But he's like... I just accepted it. I believed it. I, I, you know, I went with it. Billy Graham is just beginning in that day. It's in the 50s. And he's just beginning to get going on his evangelistic outreaches. And he does a big one in New York, in Bronx, New York. And so the Salvation Army decides to help out the outreach. And so he goes, and he's one of the Billy Graham workers, you know, and he's got his badge and everything. His badge has his name on it, Paul Mann. Now, there, a, a, an old, old lady um, is staring at him for like 15 minutes. He's getting kind of uncomfortable. And she's looking at him, and she finally gets the courage to kind of, you know, hobble over to him. And she says, are you Paul Mann? Was, was, was your father a street preacher in, in, in Brooklyn? And... Paul was just shocked. He said, yeah, that's my father. I'm his son. But he died a long time ago. And she said, 
and she just began to, to tear up. She said, I think this is a miracle. And he grabs her and he says, why? What are you doing? What's happening? And she said, I was the nurse who was on duty and there the night your father died. And I knew who he was and what the corner he preached at. And as he was dying, he whispered in my ear, would you pray for my wife and son? Would you pray for them? Because they're, he's very little. And I'm going now. I know I'm going. And she said that that event kick-started her faith. She, you know, she said, I didn't even really know what I believed. But from that day forward, I prayed for a son I never knew and a wife he left behind. And she said, I just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And she said, for 24 years, I have been praying for this man's son who died on my watch and had just one simple request. Would you pray for my little boy? And then she said, here you are. What are the odds of that? Here you are. Paul, man, that boy I've been praying for. And, I mean, this big, rough Brooklyn kid who'd been in the army and had seen all sorts of life just scooped that old lady up in his arms, and they wept the rest of the day. The, the crusade excused them. They didn't even have to do anything. They got, a, they got to talk. He learned about his father, and, uh, and he went away with him. And when he told it to me, he said, it was the closest thing I can tell you to experiencing God's joy and when he was telling me that the other night I thought does he even know that I'm preaching on joy this weekend it's as if God just gave this story to me and I was messed with that the whole night I was just thinking of that boy I would have loved to experience that moment I wouldn't have wanted my father to die I wouldn't want to grow up rough on the streets of New York but man I would have loved to just have five minutes to be him and have that joy. I could see it in his eyes. He wasn't lying to me. It was joy. Joy. Because despite his circumstances, God had saved him. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, we come before you this morning. And God, I think sometimes I have a lot more questions then I feel like I have answers. And I think sometimes joy is still a concept that's hard for me when I think of just a lot of the things that I see in this world. But God, I think, I think it's so clear from what the angel said to them the shepherds that you are a great source of joy the shepherds went back to being those outcast and despised shepherds the next morning after you were born life went on but they had seen something they had experienced something they knew something that would carry them through the years Christ the Lord had come.
not some God that's mysterious bands of light and smoke, but a God who came as a baby, as a human being. A God who has hands to hold us, a heart to love us, and arms to scoop us up. If that's you this morning, I, I pray, just, just agree with me. Just say in your heart, God, I want you to be my joy. I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm not perfect. I'm making mistakes all the time. And that's why you came. And so Lord, joy, you are my joy. And I'll just let this be a private moment.